Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning. Again, Happy Easter. Thank you all for being here. To those of you that are here on Sunday, no matter what, or those of you that are here with us because of a special occasion of Easter, I want to thank you. Welcome. And those of you that are listening by podcast, you are also welcome. And uh, we're grateful that you joined us today. Today we're going to, um, I just want to give you some thoughts to ponder and to consider concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We at One Cause Church do believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he did not stay dead. I've met a lot of people and and had a lot of uh, loved ones. uh, And, you know, more recently, my father back in October who passed away, who are still in their graves. Now there's a day coming, praise God, for those who sleep in Jesus, they're going to come out of those graves. But for now, we got to deal with the loss. You have to deal with the loss of those that you love and held dear, and you miss them sometimes, and maybe every day you do. But Jesus did something that nobody had ever done or has done since. Now, Jesus raised people from the dead while he was on the earth. Didn't he? Remember, he raised Lazarus from the dead uh, after he'd been dead four days. But guess what? Lazarus eventually died again. He didn't stay alive, but Jesus Christ stayed alive. Hmm? Is there a song going in your head right now? Mm-hmm. All right, Luke chapter 24. Let's turn over there for a moment and let's read. Uh, we're going to read a, several verses here. If you'll stick with me, I think you'll be blessed by this today. It says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Verse 3. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Notice they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Verse 5. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but is risen. Let's say those words that I just read out loud. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11, that is 11 apostles and to all the rest, verse 10, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Verse 11, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. The disciples did not believe what they just heard. They thought these women were hallucinating. They thought they were imagining things. It seemed like idle Tales. You know, I hear that today. I hear still people today who say that very same thing about the resurrection. It was fables. It was hallucinations. It was blah, blah, blah. So even his own followers thought that for a moment. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1. Now Luke is a physician. He's a medical doctor, and you can see the evidence of that in some of his writings. Luke wrote uh, 
most of the New Testament, in volume that is. Paul wrote most of the books, but as far as volume is concerned, Luke has more content than anybody else from the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. And Luke is writing these very detailed accounts because he wants to get this story to a certain notable person of that time, somebody by the name of Theophilus, all right? So both the the book of Luke and Acts are both addressed to this person, okay? Now look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, the former account I made, speaking of the gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. All right? So I like this. What Luke is saying is follow the science. It'll show you. It'll show you resurrection by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So let's, let's imagine for just a moment uh, the time of day, it's, it's just before sunrise. As a matter of fact, John chapter 20 and verse 1 says that it was still dark. And it, it, it's talking about Mary Magdalene coming to the tomb on the first day of the week. She went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, you notice that the, the account we just read, the sun was, was already coming up and there were these several women who were coming to anoint the body of Jesus. Actually, if you read all four accounts of of this, all four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they all have quite different views of the resurrection, different angles. As a matter of fact, you try to piece them together, you're like, this guy says this, and then this person says this, this says just one was there, this one says several, this one says this happened, and then this happened, but this one says this happened, and this, and so you can, you can maybe, if you're looking at it that way, you think, well, is, why, 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 is, why aren't their stories the same? Well, their stories end up, all four of them end up at resurrection. So they all agree on that, that the tomb was empty. So what's the deal with the different accounts? Well, that, if you think about it, that even makes it that much more believable. Come on, how many of you have siblings? All right, all right. So let's, let's say maybe you were at home a time when you were a kid with your sibling, mom and dad were gone, and one of you broke something, Right? So then you concoct a story. You get on the same page. And you think that if we say the same thing exactly, then that will be convincing to them because we will say the same thing. We've rehearsed our lines. They don't even try to rehearse this story. They're not trying to make this thing sound the same. You read it, it's a mess. But where they all come together is he rose from the dead. That's what matters. And that makes it even that much more believable because now we have eyewitness accounts. If, if several people uh, see a, a wreck happen somewhere out on the highway, say down on 75, you know what? Each person that saw that wreck is going to have a different story. Does it make their story less true because it's different from somebody else's? No. It's their viewpoint. Or it's maybe when they saw it. Or the feeling that whatever it may be, just because these stories are different, to me, it makes it even that much more true. So there, 
the place is a garden tomb. And so as these, these women are, are, are making their way in the, in the wee hours of the morning, they're making their way toward this tomb through this olive grove. And no doubt their, their eyes are red and swollen from days and days of crying after what this terrible event that had taken place three days prior Something none of them saw happening. They, they did not expect this. And now all of their dreams have been crushed. Uh, they are in hopeless despair. And they're coming here to finish what hadn't been finished. Because Jesus had died on Passover. And so the, uh, the day was getting late. And they didn't have time to do all of the proper preparation for the burial of his body. So they're coming here on this day, this first day of the week, to finish the job. They are coming to anoint the dead corpse of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not looking for resurrection. They're looking for a dead body. All right? They're not expecting a resurrection. There's no hope of it there. No, no doubt. Even though Jesus said it, still, Nobody has that in their heads. They're coming to say their goodbyes. And not only are, are they coming to this tomb early in the morning, and I think they're coming early in the morning because they don't want to draw attention to themselves after all that's been said and done, you know, especially with the possible threat uh, looming over their heads that, hey, if they took Jesus and we're his followers, we're probably next. And that's why all the disciples are hiding at this point. And so they have a, a few more yards to go and and then all of a sudden, to their utter amazement, they come upon this stone that is supposed to be in front of the tomb, which is rolled back. The seal, that Roman seal had been snapped, had been broken. And the soldiers that had been standing guard there, 16 of them, as a matter of fact, uh, they're, they, and they did this, uh, this watch through the night, four at a time, four would stand guard while the other ones slept usually. All right, And so every four hours, they would do a shift change. And the reason these guys were there is because the Jewish leaders asked for this Roman guard to be put there because they said this deceiver said that he would rise from the dead in three days. And we don't want his disciples to get an opportunity to go steal his body and claim that he rose from the dead. So if you'll put a guard there, we'll be sure to keep them from that. And that way, the latter deception won't be greater than the former. And so they posted these Roman guards. Now, these are not just average men. This is the elite force in all the world, all right? This would be like America today. We have the most incredible military force in the entire world. Hands down, nobody compares. Can I get an amen? Americans, huh? No, but this is how the Roman, uh, the Roman guards were. As a matter of fact, these guys, their lives were constantly on the line. If they fell asleep during the watch, death. If, if somehow a prisoner escaped, death. So these guys, no doubt, are awake. All right. So when the women show up, when you read Matthew's account, you see that this, this earthquake happened and lightning comes from heaven and this angel shows up and the, the soldiers don't know what to do except they just fall over like they were dead. I mean, they all pass out for fear. So this is what the scene that these women walk up on. They, they see these soldiers all lying unconscious on the ground. They see the stones been rolled away and they are freaking out. What is going on? Where is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to offer a very simple question. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Oh, you didn't have to answer that. I'm just proposing a question to you. Did he really rise from the dead? And can we really be sure of it? Because Luke says this, the, the medical doctor says there are many infallible proofs. Well, they went to anoint Jesus' dead body they expected Jesus' dead body to do what all dead bodies do, stay dead. 
but they found something else. Even the book of Job, Job says, <clears throat> when's the last time you read the book of Job? All right, if you want to just get into a sad or bad mood, just go ahead and read Job, all right? It'll take you right there to the depths of despair. But it ends really well. Anyway, but most of it is just oh, cloudy and dark. And he says, as the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come up. Thanks, Job. Psalms chapter 89, David says in verse 48, what man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? And the answer is no. The grave is the end. It's the finality of life on earth. But this day, these people, his disciples, these women, they would come to know a whole different reality that there absolutely is life after death. Amen. Not life that happens for a moment and then dies again. No, life, eternal, everlasting life where death has no hold. So I don't know. Maybe you're seeking to understand this issue of resurrection because you've heard many conflicting stories about it, or maybe you've read too much stuff on the internet. I don't know. Maybe you're a Christian who stepped forward in faith and you've believed this, but you've never really studied the facts of the resurrection itself. I want to just offer you a few things today. Is it okay if we do this? So we're going to look at these facts just from the gospel accounts for just a moment, okay? Now, as I said, the gospel accounts themselves are quite different from one another, but they all arrive at the same conclusion. He rose from the dead. So I'm just going to give you seven quick pieces. Everybody say seven quick pieces. All right? I know it's Easter. So let's consider this for a moment, the Roman guard, all right? As I said, the, their life is continual on, on the line. So they're in, on this watch 16 of them for every four hours standing guard. Now, they've got every reason to, to stay awake, but no one, there's no way anyone could have gotten past them to steal the body of the Lord Jesus. All right, Are we all fair-minded enough to say that's probably true? Okay, all right. And then that's one. See, that was quick, wasn't it? Number two is the stone itself. The stone that was rolled away, it, it is the one silent and infallible witness to this whole event. Uh, the stone was of enormous size. It was extremely heavy. As a matter of fact, when the ladies were approaching the tomb that morning, they were talking amongst themselves, wondering if there would be anybody there who would be able to help them roll the stone back so that they could finish uh, the burying process. So because the gospel tells us that they, they put the seal on the tomb, now, some kind of band across that that uh, uh, rock itself, I, I'm trying to imagine like some rubber, like, uh, you know, what are those things called? Bungee cord. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but I, I know they didn't have that back then, but it had something that went across like in an X shape, and then they put the Roman seal right in the middle of it. All right. So that somebody would have to bust, break that, that uh, seal itself to even start the process of opening the tomb. Oh, by the way, the penalty for breaking that seal was death. So this, again, argues really any attempt to try to, that anybody would try to steal the body. Number three are the grave clothes themselves. Jesus' own grave clothes. Both Luke and John comment on the condition of these grave clothes in the tomb. They found the linen uh, wrapping sheets that were around his body still in place. There And then there was a cloth that covered Jesus' face that one of them goes into the detailed account that says that it was folded and laid to the side. 
Okay? So the grave clothes speak, I mean, how do you explain that? Grave robbers would have come in, snatched the body. They wouldn't have taken time to put that, to unwrap all of that, get him out of there. Besides, there were 75 pounds of spices and uh, anointment already on his body that was donated uh, by Nicodemus uh, for Jesus' burial. So they have, they'd have to undo all that and then lay that cloth back there and then take the facial cloth, fold it up. Now, are grave robbers going to take the time to do this? No, they're going to snatch and grab, right? They're coming in to grab it and go. They don't have time to make things look nice, especially knowing that there's a Roman guard. So man, no one steals a body and then puts the grave clothes back in the place. That's all I'm saying. Number four is the empty tomb. Now, the skeptics have never been able to explain this following fact that when Mary arrived on Sunday morning, this tomb was empty. When Peter and John arrived later, the tomb was still empty. When the other disciples found the tomb, guess what? It was empty. When the Jews themselves inspected the tomb, guess what they found? Emptiness. Nothing. When the Roman soldiers woke up, empty. So within a few weeks of the crucifixion, the disciples were publicly preaching, think about this, publicly preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, if these guys had been lying or hallucinating, all the authorities would have to do is simply go into the tomb, drag out the dead body of Jesus, and the argument would be over. But here's what I find interesting. And I think this is true, that the silence of the Jews is just as profound as the proclamation of the apostles. We don't have any answers. Number five, the resurrection appearances, as we see in the Gospels. The New Testament records at least 12 separate appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. He appeared sometimes to individuals such as Mary and to Peter himself, uh, sometimes to a small group. Remember the, Luke gives the account of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Some of you have maybe even done that journey, that ministry called the uh, walk to Emmaus. And sometimes to a larger group, such as the disciples. But Paul records in 1 Corinthians 15 that at one time, Jesus appeared to over 500 disciples, over 500 people. Still later, he was seen by the first martyr of the church, Stephen, at his death when he said, Behold, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Also, the apostle Paul. Uh, at his conversion. John, later on, when he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos because they couldn't kill him. This is the one, the, the, John the Beloved, the one who claimed he was the disciple that Jesus loved. And they tried to kill him. All the rest of the disciples were martyrs except for Judas who hung himself. But John, they boiled him in oil and he didn't die. What do you do after that? Well, okay, let's just throw him over here on this island. And that's when the book of Revelation was written. That's where he saw Jesus in all of his glory and uh, as the, uh, not only the lamb that was slain, but the lion of the tribe of Judah. So all the, remember this, these are all eyewitness accounts, folks. So, you, you know, you might be able to dismiss one or two of these things, but there are hundreds of people who claim to have seen them. I mean, the accumulated wealth of all of these appearances is really quite overwhelming. And they point really to one conclusion. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Number six, their initial unbelief. Remember, we read the beginning of the service is that they 
thought they were telling them idle tales, that these were fables, that these women were hallucinating. His own guys, right? They heard Jesus say that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, he's going to be mocked, he's going to be spat upon, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be scourged, and he will be crucified, and the third day he will rise again, right over their heads. Never, never registered with them. So obviously it didn't register because here they are doubting what these women said and doubting that even they saw these angels and the angels said, he's not here. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's, Don't you remember what Jesus said that the son of man may be turned over to sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? And he says, and they remembered his words. Oh, yeah. So they run until the disciples and the disciples were like, nah, nah you're crazy. You're out of your heads. Nobody's expecting a resurrection. Why then would they go run to steal a body that they're not expecting to rise from the dead? It just doesn't make any sense. They had to be convinced, even against their own wills that Jesus rose from, that he had to show up in the room and say, and one of the first things Jesus did was rebuke their unbelief. And they're still looking at him like, is this an apparition what, what, what are we seeing? And Jesus said, do you have any fish? Have me a piece of fish. Look, I'm eating. Spirits don't eat. Flesh and blood right here. I mean, he, they had, he had to crawl them out of that funk, out of that stupor that they were in so they could see him resurrected. And believe it, there is, I, I think this is a great argument in favor of the resurrection that none of them were expecting. it. And, and lastly, number seven is the radically changed disciples who were in this state at one point. And then, I mean, consider their state the night of his crucifixion. They're all huddled up, scared for their lives, afraid. They're frightened. They're confused. They're, they're, they're fearful. They're disoriented. They're disheartened by this whole event. And every one of them is running for cover, but they truly believe that Jesus was dead and gone. But now, a few days later, I don't know, maybe a month and a half or so, they're out on the streets proclaiming, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. How do you go from one extreme to the other? Through hallucinations? These guys are not dumb. Some of them are highly educated. There's really only one credible explanation for such a radical change, that they had seen the risen Christ. And that Sight, that witness completely changed them forever. I mean, they went from being cowards to unafraid. The religious leaders call them in and say, don't preach in that name again. Threatening them. And Peter says, whether we should preach in that name, whether we should obey God or you, you decide that. Who is this guy? The old Peter would have been like, okay, okay, okay. I don't know him. Not afraid anymore because they saw him raised from the dead. Word spread from one person to another. He's alive. He's alive. Now, one final point on this. For 2,000 years, no one has produced a convincing answer to the question, if Jesus didn't rise, what happened to his body? Where is the body of Jesus? No one's found it. 
All, throughout all this time, throughout all these archaeological diggings, throughout all, with all the technology that we have, nobody has found the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a feeling they're never going to. And we join with other Christians around the world today to celebrate his resurrection. And we stand in a long line of believers who for centuries have declared what the angel said, he's not here. He is risen just as he said. So I just want to help encourage you in that today. Encourage you in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more than just a, this is not a fable. This is not fiction. This is not a fairy tale. How many other F's were? This is not false. <laughs> this is not futile. <laughs> this is why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we're here in 2021 still talking about it, still believing it. And because you believe that, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Can we pray for just a moment? Father, I want to thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for... Lord, I didn't have time to go over all of the facts and truths about the resurrection from the scriptures because there are so many. But Father, I pray that what I presented here today will encourage somebody. It will strengthen their faith even that much more. It will maybe make room for faith where they've only been making room for doubts. I pray, God, that today there would be room for faith. Room for faith. And even though, Lord, there's room for doubts in this story, even your own disciples doubt it. And you invite us all to come look into this thing and to think about it and to reason it out. This isn't just us blindly going, or as some call blind faith. But faith is actually really seeing the truth and knowing the truth. But Lord, there's... there's proof. There are infallible proofs to this. And I, I pray for those that are seeking and searching, Lord, that, Lord, they will keep seeking. They will keep searching. And I thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself. You said you are a rewarder to those who diligently seek you. I thank you right now for the incredible message that has the power of God, that is the power of God to salvation for everybody who believes. What is that message? Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and God raised him from the dead three days later. It's that beautiful. It's that simple. This is where we stop at our own efforts, stop relying on our own religious efforts, our own thinking, our own good deeds, that we realize we do not have the ability to resurrect ourselves who are dead in sin. Only you can do that. And there's only one way to receive your resurrection life is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, we do that today. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Maybe today you're here and and, you, and you've never invited the Lord Jesus to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior, I want to just give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to lend you some words, and we're going to pray this together.
But I want you to understand this. I can't give you faith. I can give you some words. But you'll attach your faith. If you'll believe what you're saying here today, the Bible says you'll be saved. Amen. Just pray this with me. God, I thank you for this moment. This invitation that you've given me in this service today to believe on Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I do believe. I do believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that they buried him in a tomb. And I believe he rose from the dead. And because of what he did, I am eternally alive by faith in him. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I give everything to you. I thank you that you're with me from this day forward, every step of the way. And I thank you that God is my Father and heaven is my home. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and make, make his face or cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.